Living the Truth is a podcast for creative humans who don't like to fit in a box, who have multiple passions to follow, who are curious and eager to forge their own path in their own unique, messy, and human way, who are ready to make things happen on their own terms and in their own time. This is a safe space for honest, deep, and meaningful conversations about living your truth out loud as a creative. Welcome to the episode 2 of Living Your Truth podcast. I have an insightful and inspiring story to share with you today. Our guest today is Sarah of NovelAndKind.com. She took us back on the journey along with her through her early childhood days and how she always wanted to be an author but somehow along the way got distracted by the shoulds and quote-unquote real-life responsibilities of finding a well-paid career instead. She further shares how she's connecting with her creativity now and how she's showing up for it. I really hope you find it as inspiring and thoughtful as I did. Enjoy! Hi Sarah! Hi Hira! So good to have you here. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well, thank you. It's very early in the morning here and that's my favorite time of day. So tell us all about you. What do you do, how and when you started and where you are in the world? Okay, uh, so I'm an editor, I'm a writer and I'm a teacher and I'm based in Vancouver, Canada and your listeners who might be listening to this might know me by the name Novel and Kind because I'm also a blogger and that is the name of the blog I started just over a year ago as I started reconnecting to my creativity and thinking about how I could show up for my creativity in the world and connect with other people like me. Did you always want to be a writer? You know what, I did always want to be a writer. Even when I was a little kid, when someone would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say I wanted to be an author. Um, so the first job I ever thought of, and it was something that I felt really confident, and confident about my writing when I was a little kid. And over time, I think I got the creativity sort of driven out of me. <laughs> and I slowly stopped thinking about being an author and started focusing on other things, you know, like real life jobs and things like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. do, do you mind taking us back there when you first realized your creative side? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, I was a really creative kid. Um, my grandmother spent a lot of time with me and she would foster my imagination by doing things like going on nature walks and reading to me and we would make, you know, pillow ports in the living room all day long. And my imagination would run wild as a kid. I loved writing stories and drawing pictures and doing all that kind of thing. And then in high school, I still considered myself to be creative. I would take art classes and music classes and I would write in my spare time. But I think that's around the time I stopped sharing my work with anyone, that I wouldn't let anyone read anything creative that I wrote. Uh, but I still wanted to be an author. And so when I graduated from high school and decided to go to university, the original thought in my mind was that I would be an English teacher because that way I would have all kinds of free time on my hands, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as teachers do. <laughs> um, I thought I could work from nine to three and then write in the evenings and all summer long. Um, but 
five years of university really started to diminish my creativity. I think just being busy all the time and again, learning to worry more and more about what other people were thinking about me, mm-hmm. um, as well as just the type of writing that you do in university. I can remember getting feedback on my work in English classes and thinking that my professors just thought I was crazy because I would go off on a creative tangent. So I kind of had to teach myself to stop being creative in order to do well in university. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I graduated and I became a teacher, I realized how much I love teaching, but being consumed by that career actually distanced me even more from writing for fun, right? Or writing for joy or, you know, especially writing to be published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I do love teaching and I've been teaching now for about 10 years and over the past maybe five years, life really ramped up for me because I met my now husband. Um, we lived and traveled in the Southern Hemisphere in New Zealand for two years. We got married. We actually moved back to Vancouver. Um, and then after that, the dust kind of began to settle in my life. Uh, I landed a permanent job that I love. And I felt like I just had more space in my life all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came across a lot of women online who were, you know, not only making money from their sort of side hustles, but they were living really creatively. And I guess, as you would say, living their truth online. Um, Mm -hmm. So I saw this as a chance to connect with people who were like me, maybe busy with other areas of their life, have been distanced from what they loved for a while. Um, And that's when I started my blog. And so the Yeah. So the aim of my blog was really just to explore what it was that I wanted to do as a creative. I wanted to write, but I wasn't sure in what capacity. I wasn't sure if I was even like allowed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just started blogging about creativity and about my life and about teaching and being an introvert and started connecting with a lot of really amazing women who were very similar to myself and who had I think really learned how to show up for themselves through blogging and Instagram and podcasting and things like that. Oh, I loved hearing the process of you taking up space and, you know, being brave and reclaiming what you always loved to do. Yeah. um, It's definitely a work in process. Whenever, (laughs) whenever I really think too hard about it, I realize I still have a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, it was the the best part is creating is connecting with other women who are doing something similar. Um, And so reclaiming what I love, actually, it was, it was quite the process because I think I, I knew that I wanted to be a writer. So I started writing for my blog. And then on the other side of things, I also knew that I wanted to be a business owner and Mm -hmm. I was inspired by women who had turned their blog into a business. And so knowing that, okay, I like writing, I want to earn money, I thought, great, I'll earn some money through my writing. How am I going to do this? Am I going to monetize my blog? Am I going to be a copywriter? Am I going to be a freelance writer and pitch to magazines and things like that? Mm -hmm. And it was a really long process over the course of that year of coming up against obstacles and barriers to my motivation and not really knowing what was standing in my way to realize that actually... I do want both of those things. I want to be a writer. I also want to earn money and be a business owner and follow my passions. But actually, those two things are not exactly the same thing. I don't necessarily want my, my side hustle, as you would say, to be my writing. 
I actually can't monetize my writing and feel inspired to do it all the time. I'm curious, what's happening there? Why yeah. do you feel that way? Well, that's a whole journey of its own and unpacking kind of where those feelings come from or um, why I feel that way. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'm there yet, but what I do know is that um, I started to feel like I needed a break from blogging and I started to feel like I needed to take some action in terms of just writing for joy, writing for myself. So over the summer, I took a break from blog writing and I spent a lot of time just writing for me. Like I wouldn't even sometimes type it on my laptop. I would just take out a notebook. I would go to one of the ideas that I had saved in my phone and I would just start writing. And sometimes I would end up spending a whole day doing that. So I would spend so many hours writing and with no intention to share, I realized that actually I was, that was really liberating and I was really proud of what I was writing and I wasn't looking at my writing through the eyes of maybe a blog reader or an Instagram follower at the same time mm -hmm. as I was writing. I have been writing short stories and creative nonfiction, so little essays about my own life. But over the summer, I was so inspired, I decided to start planning to write a novel. Mm -hmm. So some of my writing is actually more outlining and planning and researching right now. But um, yeah, what I learned is that I have some pretty hard skills when it comes to writing, like the mechanics of writing and the understanding of narrative and the things that my experience has taught me, my education and working as a teacher and the jobs I've done on the side. And I also have my writing that I do as a passion. And mm -hmm. so I've learned to kind of separate those two things. And what I really want to do is write a novel, but just do that on my own time and not necessarily on Follow a deadline or, yeah. It, Exactly. And then on the other hand, I want to help other creatives like me find their confidence and bring their own work into the world. So I'm offering editing services, which just feels really right for me because it gives me a chance to work with other people and help others, which is what I love to do and bring my writing skills to the table without actually having to bring my own work to the table in public online. <laughs> I love that kind of clarity that you have around your own writing process and the expectations that you have with your creativity. Um, from the conversation, I could hear your love for writing itself. And <laughs> whenever you come across some kind of expectation, it, feel, it doesn't feel right for you. That's what I could hear. Is that right? Mm, that's a really good way of putting it. Absolutely. Um, it reminds me of the four tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever there's an expectation, it just makes me want to run the other direction. I fall into the questioner rebel category, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So that makes a lot of sense for me. <laughs> yeah, it does. I was exactly thinking about the same thing. So mm. how do you make it work for you then? Um, yeah, so the more recent revelation of not monetizing my writing is really working for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I do, I take time, I carve out time for my creativity and I use that time and I do whatever feels right. I try to stay away from too much uh, bullet journaling and strict deadlines, <laughs> even the ones imposed by myself when it comes to my creative writing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just do what feels right and I have a few projects on the go and I don't feel compelled to talk about them too much until I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, when it comes to my editing business, I can chase my passions for helping others. And that's where I'm a lot more comfortable putting myself online and mm -hmm. putting myself out there. And I do still blog for my business. Um, but with that intention behind it, it's a lot easier for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because now you have that, uh, that kind of clarity. And now they, these are two different, two separate things. 
that you can focus on in your exactly. own time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I would like to take a step back and talk more about um, what happened when you fell out of the connection with your creativity. Was it a specific event? I can remember some specific events in my own creative process, in my own creative journey, which made me believe that maybe this isn't the right path for me to pursue in the longer run. What made you step back from writing and pursue teaching as a career? Hmm. Yeah, so I remember being in high school, which was a really hard time for me. And I think as a teenager, it was just the classmates and the the whole school setting wasn't really for me. I felt like I was constantly under a microscope being judged by others and I was incredibly worried about what other people think or thought of me. So I put way too much energy trying to fit in and not enough energy into developing who I was and working on my creativity or exploring the idea of being a writer. Um, and then I decided to be a teacher because I, I knew it was something that I could do. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting how much I would love the career in the end, but at the time that I decided to go into teaching, it seemed like something that I was able to do. I knew I was good at English and I knew that I could write essays um, and I knew that I'd probably enjoy working with teenagers like myself um, to kind of be that person that I needed when I was their age. Um, but I think the process of really disconnecting from my creativity started when I was in university. And again, I was spending too much time chasing who I thought I should be instead mm -hmm. of nurturing who I really was. I know that when I was in, you know, my late teens and early 20s, I knew I was introverted. I knew how draining I found it to go out and spend time with people all the time and go to parties and have a huge social circle. But I felt like that was what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And so I really, I, I don't think I ever took time to myself when I was that age. I was always just trying to be the social butterfly. I just sometimes wonder how hard we make it for um, kids at that age to grow up into someone they they would like to grow up into. You know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. Instead, try to put them in certain different kind of boxes and label them with what's acceptable and what's not acceptable instead of holding space for who they really are. Oh, exactly. Um, and like if I look so on a sort of linear level, I can kind of see myself getting further and further away from taking time to write and thinking that I had good ideas and being confident in my ability to come up with ideas through call like through high school to university. But when I when I think about it the way you've just said, I think it also goes back to the family that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And I know that my family is very judgmental of anyone who's kind of taking up space. It's that sort of tall poppy syndrome. You know, so yeah. any form of self-promotion is looked down on. And I heard things yeah. like, you know, getting too big for your boots and who does she mm -hmm. think she is a lot growing up. Self-indulgent and selfish. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I internalized that and then started applying it to myself as I got older. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that being said, like I, I chose teaching because I felt like it was the right choice for me, mm -hmm. but I... I think I started to connect with my creativity again through teaching in a way that I wasn't expecting. So yes, mm -hmm. it drains my time and energy a lot, but um, it's a different kind of creativity, you know, um, mm -hmm. to be working with young people. I work with 16 and 17 year olds who have not been successful in school and who have come back 
maybe after dropping out or they might have experienced addiction or trauma or some other sort of grief or loss in their life. And so working with those youth and trying to inspire them to fall in love with school and to fall in love with life and really chase their passions is a really inspiring way of getting some perspective on things. Mm-hmm. Um, so on one hand, you know, going into teaching is what kind of pulled me away from becoming an author. But on the other hand, I think it's what's brought me back into that world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's really um, freeing for you because now you have the financial security as well as little time in your hands that you can use to explore your creative side. So I think it's all working out very well for you at this point. But I was just curious. Um, to learn more about how or when exactly that desire to reconnect with, with your creativity started coming in. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good question. Um, I don't think that I ever stopped wanting to be creative. And I know this because when I went over the summer, I was going through the notes in my phone. So I've had an iPhone since probably 2009 whenever iPhones came out and I've never deleted a note in my phone because almost all of them are ideas that I have. So it's either a quote that pops into my head or a scene that comes to mind. And I went through my phone in the summer to record those all into a notebook. And there were over 600 different story ideas or quotes or things that I had just recorded or even like photos that I had copied and pasted into the notes app that brought an idea to mind. And it went back to pretty much right when I got my iPhone. And so unfortunately there were probably lost notebooks from before that too. But, um, you know, going back 10 years, I was always kind of secretly intending to write something or create something. It was just having the mental space to sit down and do it. That was the barrier. So, yeah, I definitely never stopped wanting to create, create, but I think, I think it was just having some more time on my hands as well. Like I always had second jobs. I worked at a hotel from when I graduated high school until a few years into my teaching career. So I had basically two, um, one full-time job and one pretty full-on part-time job (laughs) and then I did other things like I painted houses one summer and I I tutored and I did a little bit of academic editing and I just never had the the space in my life for that Mm -hmm. and then obviously I stopped working two jobs and found that I had you know a little bit of space flowing through my head yeah (laughs) oh I think uh, so many of us spend our lives going through the day daily busy schedules and don't take time to sit down and you know really ask ourselves what is it that you would really want to do you sitting down and going through all of your notes really held that space for you to accept that this is something that you have always wanted to be doing and maybe this is the time yeah absolutely it was a really interesting experience and some of the stuff I had recorded in the notes app in my phone I did, it didn't make sense to me anymore I was like <laughs> what what was I trying to say there but which is disappointing but you know a lot of it I was oh I remember when I thought of this and I was going to turn it into a story about that and mm. oh right I was going to write an essay about that once and I really started to get like my past self was inspiring my present self which was really <laughs> cool <laughs> right I resonate with what you're saying right now because mm. I'm a 
very visual kind of person and on Pinterest I have more than 100 Pinterest secret boards oh, wow. uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where I kept saving um, something similar that you know inspired or sparked an idea in me and I just kept saving them uh, for for the day I will have time to you oh. know, start working on them yes. uh, and there are a bunch of painting boards and inspiration for painting and color palettes and I don't know what <laughs> so many of them and when I think my experience and my story is very similar to yours in this um, in this area when I moved to Copenhagen with my husband um, I didn't have a job and I was looking for one in the beginning but then I realized I always wanted to do something of my own mm. and uh, now I have the time why not try it yeah <laughs> exactly that's when I realized yeah and I wonder if it's partly about getting older too like I know you yeah. celebrated a birthday pretty recently but <laughs> just where maybe we just start to settle into ourselves and stop caring so much what other exactly. people will think about what yeah. we're doing <laughs> I think it's something it's something to do with turning 30 <laughs> yes. that you stop caring about what um, other people are thinking of you and just you know embrace life the way you want to live it yeah exactly just start owning our story right yeah, like, exactly that's what I think I've been trying to do is just own who I really am and stop worrying about who I think I should be mm -hmm. I've been working really hard to eliminate that word should from yeah. my vocabulary yeah. so like, I mean, maybe that's why I've become the, the rebel tendency, right? Because every time I hear that word should, I kind of just want to run away now. Like, oh, you really should <laughs> sit down and write a blog post. And I'm like, yeah. nope. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, yeah. We are yeah. in the same boat there. Definitely. So, Sarah, I was wondering, so now you have two different sides of your creative practice. One of mm. them is obviously writing and the other one is going to be editing. That is also mm. that that's the part that you're going to monetize so i was wondering because this comes up for me in many ways i'm curious if it comes up for you too do you not feel like an expert and what do you do if that comes up for you yeah that is huge for me actually um i think maybe because teaching is such a clear-cut path you get a degree in education and therefore you're qualified to be a teacher right and that mm -hmm. in the world of online business there are so many different pathways that can bring you to a place where you can offer value. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I was brainstorming what I could do and when I settled on editing, I knew it felt right for me, but I still held myself back for quite a while from saying anything about it or doing anything about it because I was stuck in this phase of thinking that I needed more qualifications or that I wasn't, I didn't know enough to get started which I know deep down isn't true, right? I have experience, mm. I have the education, I have the ability to learn as I go in some ways, but I know I'm ready. But that held me back quite a bit, to be honest. And what do I do about it? Well, <laughs> I procrastinated for a while, to be honest. I'm still finding my way of not doing it perfectly. I held myself back for a while and just didn't do anything. and was a little bit frozen, but I pushed forward by talking to other people about it, kind of making it public and holding myself accountable that way. And just kind of allowing two things to be true in my mind at the same time. Like on one hand, yes, you're scared and you think people are gonna laugh at you and you feel like you're not enough. 
and that's, you know, that's fine. That's how I feel. And on the other hand, you can still push forward, even though you're feeling that way and give it a try and see what happens. And that's how I started talking to myself to get myself to the point where I could be open about my business and have the confidence to promote it. I 100% agree with, with what you're saying. And I, I know how that must feel. <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. It's a common, and that's the other thing that helps is meeting people like you who, when I look at your Instagram and your website and everything that you're offering, I think, oh my goodness, she has this amazing business. Like, look at her go. But you're also so incredibly honest about what you're going through and that imposter syndrome and the fear. And it helps me to see that actually everyone has a, a exactly. sense of self-doubt yeah. and that's really reassuring. Hmm. I think that's why it's so important to talk about these struggles because hmm. in the process you end up making each other feel less alone and more hopeful in your own creative journey. Exactly. It's funny that you mentioned it. Sometimes it's not that easy to you know, share what you're going through. Mm. Um, and especially, uh, I try not to share while I am in that zone. But once mm. I have made it to the other side of it, it becomes more easier and it makes much more sense to share it. Because now you mm, are not only sharing how you felt, but now you can also share how you made it to the other side. Exactly. And then in that way, you're not kind of just having a crisis exactly. in public <laughs> when you're wide open for criticism and to be discouraged, right? You're actually yeah. sharing how you processed it and offering that to be of value to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really appreciate that. That's a good point. Yeah. I think it's also our inner critique coming mm. up in different ways. It's natural to feel that doubt and that feel that fear. I've never met a single person who says I'm not afraid. Mm. Everybody says I'm afraid. It's just on different levels. And you build that confidence of taking that next step little by little, one step at a time. Yes, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Would you like to share a little bit about your own personal experience regarding how you deal with your inner critique and in which ways it shows up for you? Um, yeah, so my inner critic is strong. And like I said, coming, going back as far as childhood, you start learning that voice. And if you aren't aware of it, I don't think you, you can start arguing with it. <laughs> so I... I've worked hard to identify when that inner critic is coming up for me and I'm always searching for balance and trying to figure out when my inner critic is trying to hold me back and mm -hmm. when my intuition is telling me something that's not right. And so finding balance between those two, I do it through journaling. I do it through uh, communicating with people I trust and I do it by just kind of being okay with changing my mind about something. So mm -hmm. Like when I thought I wanted to be a copywriter, I did put myself out there and, you know, attempt to pick up some copywriting jobs. And there was a nagging voice in my head going like, oh, don't do this. It's not going to work out. And I thought to myself, well, you know, that's just, you know, that's what I always tell myself. So I'm going to try it. And I tried it and it turned out that actually my intuition was probably telling me that this wasn't the best use of my energy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I tried it and then I knew for sure. Right. Exactly, and yeah. I also had that voice come up for me when my 
he's now my husband, but when my then boyfriend said, hey, let's move to New Zealand and live in New Zealand for two years. And there was this voice in my head telling me like, you can't do that. That's way too far out of your comfort zone. Don't even Mm -hmm. try it. And I did try it. And it was one of the best decisions of my life. So I think you have to just be willing to experience failure sometimes. And sometimes you'll be surprised and it's an amazing experience. And other times it's just a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I think so much of the creative process is about the, that discomfort zone. Mm. You have to try to learn for sure what is it that you are feeling about it. So for me, I think that's pretty much the same. I think of myself as a multi-passionate creative and mm. I was procrastinating on what should I be doing next. When I thought about starting my own business, I thought I'm going to be um, an artist or a designer online, but the exact same thing came up for me. I tried to do it for other people. I didn't like it (laughs) and I decided, no, this is something that I'm going to keep doing for myself and I don't want to put that kind of pressure on my art stuff, on my paintings and I just want to draw for myself instead of going for someone else. Well, that's so interesting. That sounds like very similar to what I've gone through. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think I really resonate with your experience. And that's why I came up with the other side of my business. That's mm. the coaching side. I really enjoy connecting person to person on one-to-one basis. And that's mm. why I think I wanted to monetize that aspect and not the art aspect. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Monetizing something puts it in a whole nother category in terms of pressure. And so if you can identify what you can do that for that makes you comfortable and what it is that makes you uncomfortable, then Mm -hmm. I think you're set just like you figured it out. Um, I also, I've worked through this a lot by really kind of carefully curating the voices and the people who I have in my life. Um, So I've been working really hard at just surrounding myself with people who make me feel like myself and that's one area that I do feel really intuitively about, you know, like I have a really close network of friends in real life and online who I actually don't have to edit myself with when I'm talking to them and people who, if I have an idea, I'm okay with sharing it with them because even if they tell me that it's not a great idea, I know that they're coming from a place of care. Mm -hmm. And so I can take that criticism and not ruminate on it too much. Um, And I think that's been really essential in me coming to this point of clarity as well. I wonder if you feel the same way. Exactly the same. Oh, and I do really believe that it is a process and you, as you go, you either add a few things, a few people who support you in being yourself and then you let go of people who sadly don't support that any longer. Um, I was wondering about what you said earlier the difference between the voice of your inner critique and then you try to listen more to your intuition mm. uh, and you connect with the, with your intuition by doing journaling and other things like that. How do you differentiate what, where is it coming from? If it's coming from the critique, inner critique of yours or if it is coming from your intuition, how do you make uh, a separation? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. I, I always start by journaling. Sometimes I just get this feeling of 
fusion and I know I need to sit down with my journal and I just ask myself questions like, how do you really feel about this? And um, why are you worrying about this? And I'll start to flesh it out in writing on the page. And when I look back mm -hmm. at what I've written, I find, and I think I've heard this somewhere, probably on another podcast or on a blog or something, but I've heard that your inner critic is the voice that's telling you that you can't mm -hmm. and your intuition is the voice telling you that you can. Yes. So if I'm asking myself, should you write this story or should you, um, should you start a business and I start writing about it and I'm telling myself, you know, I really want to do this and I think I'd be really good at it and, you know, it's something that I think I'd find really enjoyable, but... I just don't know what other people will say. And there are so many other editors out there with more experience than me. And, and um, it would just be really embarrassing if no one wanted to buy from my business. Then I look at that and I can see, well, actually, I obviously want to do this, but mm -hmm. there's this critic telling me all of these things that are holding me back. And it's more easy in my own mind to discern between the two when I've done that. I think it's also, it's also a practice to learn to differentiate between those two voices. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. The inner critic is holding us back. Yeah. So Sarah, why is it important for you to create, write and explore? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, it's all about sharing stories. Like writing for me is my way of getting my story across and I don't want to sound too full of myself, but I think my story can help other people. And I think everyone's story can help someone else. So whether that story is coming across in the form of a memoir or a piece of fiction, I think that's, you know, my voice getting out there to connect with someone else. And if I wasn't waking up in the morning to connect with other people, I really don't know what I would be doing here because I see that as one of my greatest purposes to be on this earth to be honest. So for me, creating is an act of connecting um, and helping others. And I think that that's why I'm passionate about editing too, because I can empathize with that feeling of having something to say, but not having the words to get it across right. or, you know, wanting to take the next step in getting your voice out there and really feeling like you needed some help with that. So mm -hmm. for me, you know, I can help others with editing and I write to get my own story out there. Um, I think that it's an act of, like I said, helping others, but honestly, it's also a personal, it's like a personal form of therapy, I guess, <laughs> to write and tell my story and own my story and really process who I am and what I'm here for. Um, I just, I just scheduled my next email newsletter where I've shared sort of five things about myself that other people might not know about already. And one of the things on that little list of five, I really sat there and kind of ruminated about it. Like you said, like, is this something that I'm ready to talk about? If someone asked me about it, would I feel comfortable answering questions? And I thought, you know what, like I've come far enough that actually I am. And I wrote about how I actually dropped out of high school for a year <laughs> when I was in 11th grade. And that was something that I never used to feel like I could talk about and it used to feel like something really shameful and it used to contribute to my imposter syndrome. I think, you know, how could people respect me as a teacher if they know that I wasn't good at school when I was in, when I was in high school and how could people think of me as a business owner if, you know, I share this time when I was just so irresponsible. Um, but actually I think I've practiced getting my voice out there. I've practiced telling my story and that's just one tiny part of who I am and I can accept 
that. And I don't think I would have come to that point where I could share that information without having been writing now for a while. Right. Um, and so, and I know that I was talking to another teacher friend recently and it came up and I said, yeah, actually, you know, I had a really hard time socially and emotionally when I was 16 and I dropped out for a year and she said, Oh my gosh, me too. And she said, I've never told anyone that before. And we were like, wow, like this was such a great connection. And I think we both got so much confidence from that. Right. Yeah. And it's also because when you see, we actually talked about this earlier as well. When you see someone else going through something similar to you, it, mm. it gives you, it makes you feel normal and something that you don't have to be ashamed about. Yeah, exactly. When you see someone else walking the same path, it really is so helpful. Yeah. I was thinking you have a lot on your plate right now. You have your, <laughs> you have your writing practice, you have your editing side of the business, and then obviously setting up the business itself and showing up consistently as a business owner, uh, and then your teaching job. What does your day look like? Yeah, I'm also a student right now. So I'm taking an online class in mindfulness-based teaching and learning, and it's a graduate certificate. So it's actually a lot more full on than I was expecting. <laughs> um, so as you know, right now, we've been on a call for about an hour and it's only 5.50 a.m. <laughs> so my day starts really early. Um, for the past few days, I've been participating in the Artist's Way community group yeah. with Sarah Tasker from me and Orla. So mm -hmm. I've actually noticed that getting up really early in the morning is a great way to even out my day, sort of smooth out the path ahead. So I've been getting up and doing morning pages and yeah. doing a mindfulness meditation for maybe 15 minutes, enjoying my coffee and setting a few intentions for the day and then really just working to those intentions. So if I want, if I have a big project I need to get done at school that day, then that will take priority. Or if I just had a really bad sleep and I need to just take care of myself and rest, that will be my priority or if I have an assignment and you know, so on, I just try to pick three things that I can put my energy into. Mm -hmm. And I go to work from about 7.30 until five. Um, but at work in the afternoon, the kids are all gone and my students have left by maybe four o'clock. So I just reset my day, but at that point, by making another cup of tea, um, maybe just sitting quietly for a few minutes, um, a school in the afternoon once everyone's gone home is so peaceful. <laughs> um, and then I feel like I put in my hours for the day and I might switch over to doing a little bit of creative writing or doing something for my business, planning out some content or, um, you know, doing something that needs to be done, editing and things like that from about four o'clock onwards, come home and um, just do what I feel like I need. I posted about this the other day, but I'm trying to, live more in the moment and trying to ask myself, what does this moment need? Yesterday I knew I had an assignment to do and I was kind of lingering in the back of my mind all day. But when I got home from work, I was just exhausted and I felt really resentful of the program and I felt really ugh about having to sit down and work on it. And I said to myself, you know, it's not due until Saturday and it's Tuesday. So why are you doing to, this to yourself? What do you really need in this moment? And so I just gave myself permission to read my book and watch friends and do what I felt like doing. And I actually already feel better because I just gave myself that space yesterday. 
Right. Yeah. I love that you try to have a few quiet moments with yourself where you can really set the intention of what you are in need of at that moment. Mm. I've learned over time that I'm not functioning very well if I don't have a few quiet moments built into my day. And maybe that's why I do love teaching because I have complete control over what, I mean, let's face it, not complete control, (laughs) but I have some control over what my day is going to look like. And so if I feel stressed and frazzled and I'm picking up that my students are feeling stressed and frazzled, I can just say, okay, listen, put your books down. We're going for a nature walk or let's do a meditation on silence. And we play this game where, well, I tell them it's a game, but it's basically a mindfulness activity where we try to get the room as silent as possible and just listen to what the sounds of the building are. Mm -hmm. So listen to maybe the fan in the classroom, or can you hear, you know, something in the hallways? Can you hear birds outside and just practice quiet? Mm -hmm. And I'm able to do that in the middle of my workday, which I feel pretty lucky to be able to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you need to um, have a few quiet moments? It's also coming from uh, the fact that you're an introvert. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I am an INFJ. I know you are as well here. (laughs) And I think that personality type is described as the true introvert. So like, you know, introverted comes in a lot of different forms, but the INFJ um, really fits that mold of needing quiet time to recharge and, you know, interacting with large groups of people can be quite the energy drain. So Mm -hmm. I've learned to stop fighting that and just try and build it into the life that I have. Yeah. I used to think of being an introvert as something um, bad. Um, I I think our society, our cultures, that play really um, a big part in perceiving being an introvert as something bad. Mm. Um, I think it's only now that I've learned to really um, accept it, that that's who I am. And now... I don't think I'm trying to fit myself in a box, but it it feels more like a freedom um, that I'm giving myself permission to be myself Mm. and finding ways in which I can show up, still show up when I I am an introvert. Absolutely. I'm so passionate about all of this. Yeah. I was also used to think it was a bad thing to be an introvert. Like I remember taking those personality tests and things like that growing up and kind of like skewing the answers being like, Oh, actually I probably would prefer to sit home and read a book, but that's lame. So I'm going to check off this answer that says, I feel really great. And I, I, I don't know why or where exactly I picked that up, but I know that it's so common for people who identify as introverted to feel like that's something bad. Mm-hmm. So I, I've also worked really hard to, you know, make sure that I don't put myself into a box with it, but use it to really identify with what I need. Mm-hmm. And I think it's working for me. I've written about this before that sometimes I do tell myself, you know, oh, well, um, you're an introvert. So you know, maybe that's not the best idea. But actually, I think if you're living in alignment, and if most of the time, you're able to take those quiet moments and self reflect, and you've surrounded yourself with people who support who you really are, that actually, it makes it easier to step out of those comfort zones and stretch yourself when you need to. Um, My husband has said to me before, you know, because he's also very introverted. um, 
he said to me before, like, I don't even know if you're an introvert. Like, how do you do things like <laughs> go on podcasts and like go put, you know, put yourself out there on Instagram. And um, yeah, and so I've, I've wondered about that. But actually, I think it's because I know that I'm doing so in a really safe way. And that mm -hmm. most of the time, I, you know, like I can push myself to make those kind of steps out of introversion <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't think it's entirely out of introversion I think it's making mm. space despite the fact that you are an introvert but you are showing up as yourself and you are also allowing other introverts to feel that this is the new normal you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> yeah I, so really I like love that. that I love that part um apparently INFJs are the rarest of people but mm -hmm. I, I come across so many of them on on my Instagram and I wonder <laughs> if it is it feels like a safe heaven for INFJs to me <laughs> that's a really good point and I have also come across so many INFJs in that creative online Instagram yeah. space um, have you heard the term web travert before yeah 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 and so I think it's that like, was Sarah Dasker uh, yeah you're right yeah, it was yeah. um yeah, and I also, I have this thing that I'm thinking about a lot lately, and it's about the idea of being safe and being comfortable. And so I think that, you know, I would tell a fellow creative, like, or someone who was me maybe a year ago, like, build yourself a safe space, right? Yes. A community, mm -hmm. a writer's group, a WhatsApp group, get an accountability partner, and then you have that foundation of safety. And then that's what makes it so much easier to help yourself to become uncomfortable sometimes, mm -hmm. because I don't think that we should always just be in our comfortable bubble of, exactly. you know, whether we're introverted or extroverted or the Enneagram or whatever. I don't think we should always just stay in one place because we can, I think with that foundation of support, we can step mm -hmm. outside that comfort zone and be uncomfortable and yeah. stretch ourselves and grow. Mm -hmm. For growth, it is really important to step out of that comfort zone. Just yes. a little bit. You don't have to stretch it too far, <laughs> but yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. And I so agree with your point of having a support system, a, mm. a safe space where you are allowed to have those difficult conversations and share your heart out, but still find support that kind of enables you to keep showing up as yourself in the most unapologetic and authentic way yeah absolutely it's like for me um connecting with other people like me and being able to have those conversations is like plugging in my phone you know like full charge and then once you unplug you're still motivated and able to go out there and do what you need to do <laughs> yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about what keeps you motivated and how are you finding inspiration to keep going on a day-to-day -day basis um yeah that's a that's a good question this is going to sound maybe like a cop out <laughs> i've been thinking about this a lot and if i'm not motivated at least a little bit to do the things that i've set up for myself i will probably reflect and try to stop doing those things and so that's not to say that i'm completely irresponsible and i'm like you know i don't really like paying my bills so i'm just going to stop doing that <laughs> but when it comes to things that I have put in place in my own life, whenever I can, I will arrange those things to be things that I really truly love doing intrinsically. So if like it's sort of that childhood voice again, 
like always feeling like there's something that you should do or that you're going to get in trouble if you stop doing something. So for a long time, I posted it on Instagram every single day because I think I read somewhere that if you want to grow on Instagram or you if you want to have engagement, <laughs> exactly, you should post every single day. And it got to the point where I think, first of all, it was winter, so I didn't even have enough daylight to take pictures mm. for my Instagram account. Um, and then I was dreading doing it because I just was running out of things to say and it didn't feel yeah. intentional anymore. So I um, stopped doing that. <laughs> and in the and process, then, some, sometimes you start resenting the creativity itself. Exactly. And so I try to not do things where I don't feel intrinsic motivation. And then mm-hmm. to balance that out, I also sometimes just accept the fact that I'm not going to be motivated all the time. So maybe I don't want to, maybe writing a blog post in a week where I'm incredibly busy, you know, it still feels like something that I really want to do, but I might not feel motivated to do it. And so I'll break that task down into a few more steps than usual. Maybe I'll write an outline just in bullet point, bullet point form one day. And then the next day I'll draft it into paragraphs. And then the next day I'll add the images and I sort of just go easy on myself and not I'm not someone who thrives very well when I use the method of, okay, I'm going to lock myself in my office for two hours until it's done because I will find ways to procrastinate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just structuring, setting up the tasks that I do and setting up the way that I do it in a way that works for me Mm -hmm. um, and eliminating things that continually just don't work for me um, is how I stay motivated. I understand why you set up this way. I think for me, uh, why I'm doing that task is really important if I want to get it done. What Mm. is it that I'm trying to get out of it? Even if it's just a simple blog post, uh, I try to think more about the purpose behind it. I think it's more of the rebel thing. Why I want to do something (laughs) is more important than how I'm going to get it done. Exactly. I wrote a blog post about that actually in writing productivity for tendencies. Yeah. And that's what I wrote for a rebel is just figure out your why. And if you don't have a why, well, do you need to be doing this thing? And then if you do dig down and find that why, that tends to be the motivation in itself, right? When you actually have a clear picture of everything that you're doing is leading towards some outcome or some feeling, well, Mm -hmm. there you go. That's why you're going to do it. Right. Sarah, it was so lovely talking to you, but there's just one last question. Um, Are you ready for it? I am. So tell us, what does living a wholehearted, creative life look like for you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's been so amazing talking to you, Hira. I really appreciate the chance to have this conversation with you. Um, And I think that we've talked so much around this topic already that it might even sound a little bit repetitive um, about what living a wholehearted, creative life looks like for me. Um, so first of all, it looks like owning my story and owning who I am and processing those things in private, but then sharing them with the people who are willing to listen or read because what I've been through might help someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it looks like accepting that I'm never going to be perfect and that perfect is the enemy of done. And sometimes you just have to get out there and try things. Um, and try not to deprive myself of joy right? So there's always a way of, you know, putting off doing something you enjoy because there's something else that you should do. But I'm working really hard on actually seizing the moments of joy when I can and sometimes allowing myself to procrastinate if it's going to make me feel better. 
And in doing that, I've been able to build a life for myself where I am <laughs> balancing. I don't want to use the word balance because it's not always balanced, but I have sort of filled my life as, you know, to a point that I'm happy with, with my creativity that works in alignment with my business that also goes hand in hand with my day job and teaching and gives me the time and the freedom to spend time with my husband and the people that I love and just carefully curating the parts of my life that I'm willing to spend my energy on. That sounds so interesting. I think it's also because um, the creative side of you isn't separated from you as a being. So mm. it plays a really important part in keeping that joy in your life. Absolutely. I really like that. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way of describing living your truth, mm -hmm. right? When you yeah. haven't compartmentalized yourself away from your creativity. Exactly, yeah. So Sarah, where can we find you online? Uh, so I'm mostly on Instagram at Novel and Kind. And you can also find me on my website at NovelandKind.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Here, It was really lovely talking to you today. All the resources and links we mentioned will be over on my website, hirayasamad.com forward slash podcast. It's spelled H-I-R-A-S-A-H-M-E-D. If you have any thoughts or you'd like to share your personal story of reconnecting with your own creativity, Sarah and I would love to hear from you over on Instagram. You can find me at hirayasamad or you can also use the hashtag livingyourtruthpodcast. If you think you have a friend who might benefit from this conversation, please share the link of this episode with them. Thank you so much for listening and it would really help me and the podcast if you take a moment to subscribe and review the podcast. You can find more about me and the work that I do over on my website. There you can also subscribe to my thoughtful letters. I write letters every other Sunday where I share my personal stories and my experience of living my truth out loud and I would love to connect with you 